You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. When we think about the mystery of God being finished, we're talking about the preaching to the world, the three angels' messages in our context, finished in the days when the voice of the seventh angel was beginning to sound. That's what we're talking about, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So here we go. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Now, it wasn't fulfilled at the appointed time. Why not? Well, it has to do with that little phrase, should be finished. You know, it doesn't say will be finished. It says should be finished during that time. Now, is prophecy, Bible prophecy, is it always finished at the appointed time? Yes or no? How many of you say yes? How many of you say no? How many of you say not sure? Well, did um, Nineveh burn to the ground in 40 days? Did that make Jonah a liar? No, it's what you call conditional prophecy. It's called conditional prophecy. So, it has to do with the word should be finished. That word in, in Greek, there's what we call moods. You didn't know Greek was a moody language. But, uh, you know, we have tenses and other things, but Greek actually has moods. They call it that. And this is called the subjunctive mood. Now, you know, what on earth is that? What it means, the subjunctive mood is the mood of possibility or potentiality. The action described may or may not occur depending on circumstances. So like with Jonah, you know, he, he wanted to go to Spain and he got swallowed by a fish. And so he went over to Nineveh and he must have hated them because he, he really wasn't too tickled about going over there. And then when, he did, then when they didn't burn up in 40 days, he got mad. But God wanted to spare them. And so that prophecy was a warning which would have been carried out had they not have repented. From desire of ages, we're talking about conditional prophecy, we mentioned that. From desire of ages, page 633, God hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world, Acts 17.31. Christ tells us when that day shall be ushered in. He does not say that all the world will be converted, but that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Then the end shall come. By giving the gospel to the world, it is, it is in our power to hasten our Lord's return. We are not only to look for, but to hasten the coming of the day of the Lord. 2 Peter 3, verse 22. Had the church of Christ done her appointed work as the Lord ordained, the whole world would before this have been warned 
and the Lord Jesus Christ would have come to our earth in power and great glory. That, uh, that was from Desire of Ages that was, uh, came out in 1898. So that this tells us that if the church had gotten its act together and warned the world, because Matthew 24, 14 has to be fulfilled. That's your condition. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, and then the end comes, and not until then. So when you compare Revelation 10, 7, it is conditioned by the fulfillment of Matthew 24, 14. And Ellen White tells us it is, and the Bible tells us, it is in our power to hasten or to delay the return of Jesus. And so we have to change some ways that we're doing stuff. Amen? Is it clear that if we're a hundred and, you know, a hundred and, I'm just going to say 170 years. I'm not doing all the math right now. If we're that far post-1844, can you see that there is something wrong in our method and in our heart? We can all agree on that. If not, I'm not speaking English. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. One moment, I'm going to make this a little bit big again so I can see what I'm doing. Let me know when that comes up, because I won't, I'm not going to pay attention up there. So now, it is true that, uh, you know, the gospel will be preached, but, you know, we've been preaching this forever. We've been preaching this forever. Every, every, every so often you'll visit one of our churches, this is what you'll hear, Right? Jesus is coming soon. Be ready. We're in the time of the judgment. You've heard this all your life. But the question is, who are we preaching it to? Thank you. Who are we preaching it to? Now, in these other countries, you know, one time I made the mistake of saying we're preaching to the choir. And I think, I think it was Romania, I think. This is, of course you preach to the choir. They're in church. You're supposed to preach to the choir. So I had to learn how to be very careful not to use expressions that are only useful in American English, okay? So I had to change my whole way of thinking, my whole way of writing and everything. So I used something that would, will work in every place, I think, except Mongolia. Literally, the culture there, you don't knock on the door. You just talk to Adam and they'll come out. Are we knocking on doors that are already opened? Are we? We're knocking on doors that are already opened. Uh, you know, Jesus tells us, uh, just one second here. Uh, Jesus tells us in, uh, oh my goodness, I'm going too fast here. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, Revelation 3.20. If any man hear my voice and open unto me, I will come in with him and sup with him and he with me. But Jesus does not knock on doors that are already open because he can just walk right in. Notice that Jesus never forces himself in either. It always involves a human choice. So, in Adventist world, August 2011, there was a, a constituency meeting in, uh, in, Ghana, in Guyana. 
and they had the president, the president of the country speaking to him. He was the Honorable Bharat Jagdeo. And this is what he told them, the Adventists, in their constituency session. He said, preaching to the converted once a week won't transform the community. Jesus, he's telling us what Jesus said. And, and he's, he's, he's a Buddhist or whatever. He, he's not a Christian at all. So Jesus' life was characterized not just by prayer, but by service. So we need not just to pray in beautiful edifices, but we need to go to the communities where the people are. Luke 4.18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Mark 2.17, Jesus said, He saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Do we find Jesus chasing after the people that already believed in Him? No. From great controversy, page actually, it's 457-458 in our version that we have of the great controversy. But can any one of you tell me what the early precursor to the great controversy was? Uh, yeah, spirit, um, yeah, is uh, Spirit of Prophecy, Volume Four. Okay. Now, Spirit, Spirit of Prophecy, Volume Four, was published in 1884. 1884. That's exactly how many years after 1844? Forty years. Listen to what she says in the the book that preceded the Great Controversy, and then she said it exactly. She, it was published exactly 40 years after 1844. The language here is painful. The history of ancient Israel is a striking illustration of the past experience of the Adventist body. God led His people in the Advent movement, even as He led the children of Israel from Egypt. Had they still trusted to the guiding hand that had been with them in their past experience, they would have seen the salvation of God. In the great disappointment, their faith was tested, as was, that, as was that of the Hebrews at the Red Sea. If all who had labored unitedly in the work in 1844 had received the third angel's message, message and proclaimed it in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord would have wrought mightily with their efforts. You've got to have the power of God working with your efforts. A flood of light would have been shed upon the world Years ago, the inhabitants of the earth would have been warned, the closing work completed, and Christ would have come for the redemption of His people. Pardon me? It's page, in, in Great Controversy, it's pages 457-458. Now, Mrs. White was born, if I remember correctly, in 1827, I think. If I remember correctly. And so at this time, she would have been, I think, 50 four years, 57 years old, when a lady who is, who is pushing 60 tells you that something would have happened years ago, it's a long time. Now my 16-year-old grandson, if I say, if he says something happened years ago, he's talking three or four years. 
Somebody who's in their 20s is about five, six, or eight years. But when you get into your fully adult years, as, as I am, and I know some of you are, when you talk about something happening years ago, it, it could be 40 years ago, right? So anyway, and it would have come years ago. It was not the will of God that Israel should wander 40 years in the wilderness. He desired to lead them directly to the land of Canaan and establish them there, a happy, holy people. But they could not enter in because of unbelief, Hebrews 3.19. Because of their backsliding and apostasy, they perished in the desert, and others were raised up to enter the promised land. In like manner, it was not the will of God that the coming of Christ should be so long delayed and his people remain so many years in this world of sin and sorrow, but unbelief separated them from God. As they refused to do the work which he had appointed them, others were raised up to proclaim the message. He lets them go to sleep. Another generation comes and has their chance. If you're my age and you want to see Jesus come, you want to get out there and holler and scream as loud as you can in every corner of the earth. In mercy to the world, Jesus delays his coming that sinners may have an opportunity to hear the warning and find in him a shelter before the wrath of God shall be poured out. Review and Herald, March 27, 1894, paragraph 14. Why has the Lord so, de so long delayed His coming? The whole host of heaven is waiting to fulfill the last work for this lost world, and yet the work waits. It is because the, the few who profess to have the oil of grace in their vessels with their lamps have not become burning and shining lights in the world. It's because missionaries are few. Evangelism, page 696. For 40 years did unbelief, murmuring, and rebellion shut out ancient Israel from the land of Canaan. The same sins have delayed the entrance of modern Israel into the heavenly Canaan. In neither case were the promises of God at fault. It is the unbelief, the worldliness, the unconsecration, the strife among the Lord's God, uh, professed people, fighting in board meetings, that have kept us in this world of sin and sorrow so many years. Manuscript 4.18.83, that's where that was taken from. But, the, but it's easy to read in Evangelism 6.96. Manuscript releases volume 10, pages 277 and 278. We may have to remain here in this world because of insubordination many more years, as did the children of Israel. But for Christ's sake, his people should not add sin to sin by charging God with the consequence of their own wrong course of action. It was God's will to come long before now. We just messed up. Now have men who claim to believe the word of God learned their lesson that obedience is better than sacrifice. Wow. Wait, we're not done. Tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we're going to show you how we got to this. What God's plan is for us today to pull ourselves back out so that we and the pastors and all can be doing exactly what he wants us in the way that he wants us because he has this particular method and way. And when we obey the Holy Spirit, when we obey God's instructions as to how we're to do it, then he gives power because we're obeying and he adds his immense power to make our work possible. <laughs> 
are possible. Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> broadside 2, January 31, 1949. It's a little pamphlet. Pa paragraph 13. I saw that the... 1849 now. She writes, I saw that the time for Jesus to be in the most homely place was nearly finished. Oh my. And that time can last but a very little longer. First selected messages, page 67. It is true that time has continued longer than we expected in the early days of this message. Our Savior did not appear as soon as we had hoped. But has the word of the Lord failed? Never. It should be remembered that the promises and threatenings of God are alike conditional. Conditional. So now here's a question for you. Think about your church, okay? Suppose, uh, you know, your pastor got sick, okay? And he was like really sick. And he couldn't, you know, think about your baptized members now. We're talking about the baptized Seventh-day Adventists that sit in the pews every week, okay? Now, but your pastor gets sick. And he's sick a long time, like a month. Takes him a while to get over it. Now, how many of those baptized Seventh-day Adventist Christians who, sit, who know all, all this truth, sitting in those pews, how many of them are going to lose their way, be lost forever, burn in the lake of fire because your pastor got sick for a month? Not one, right? Not for that reason. If they're lost forever, it's got to be for some other reason, but not for that reason. Well, now let's just say that he's really sick. He's got to go to rehab for six months. Same question. How many of those baptized saints would be lost for that reason? Somebody else would have to preach. It might have to be a deacon or an elder or a kid. Actually, the kids do quite well. Not one of them would be lost, right? Well, how about, let's just say that the politics got really bad. You know, there was a time in Russia a long time ago when they, they had 200 pastors in the whole country and 198 were in jail. I was told that when I was over there. One man still remembers the day when he was in Kazakhstan that the authorities came to get his dad, a pastor, and they never saw him again. But suppose all the pastors are locked up for, for five years for daring to preach our message. How many of those baptized saints who are in your pews every week would be lost for that reason? Not one. But how many people out there in areas of the world or even your own conference, these vast areas where there's no one assigned, they're all assigned to churches. There's no one assigned to, you have vast holes in all these conferences around us. Or some, you know, how many of those have been lost and will be lost, would be lost during that time because Ministers are taking care of the people every week that already know Jesus. If it was your mother, would you give up some of these things you thought you were, you were privileged that you should have? If it was your mother at stake, you'd, you'd change. All of us would. General Conference Bulletin, April 12, 1901, paragraph 12. The 21. The work of a minister is to minister. Our ministers are to work on the gospel plan of ministering. It has been presented to me that all through America there are barren fields. 
How many of you would say amen? We have barren fields in North America. Yeah. And do you know, if you were to ask many of the conferences if they currently have a strategic plan in place for how and when they're going to reach and open up that field, many of them, I, I dare say, don't have a strategic plan in place at this moment. They're, they're consumed with trying to take care of you and me. And by the way, I'm not a paid salaried preacher, okay? I have been for a little while, but I was a little bit of a misfit. I just wanted to, just wanted to plant churches and evangelize, but they didn't have any budget for that. So I had to go back to my old profession, which was nursing, and I could go anywhere and get a job, and I could be with all the lost. <laughs> God blessed, by the way. There are barren fields everywhere. As I travel, and she wrote this while she was in Australia. This was during her Australian years. Some of her best writing on this topic was when, when she had been sent away to Australia. As I traveled through the South on my way to the conference, I saw city after city that was unworked. What is the matter? The ministers are hovering over the churches which know the truth while thousands are perishing out of Christ. If the proper instructions were given, if the proper methods were followed, every church member would do his work as a member of the body of Christ. He would do Christian missionary work. But the churches are dying and they want to minister to preach to them. They should be taught to bring a faithful tithe to God that he may strengthen and bless them. They should be brought into working order that the breath of God may come to them. They should be taught that unless they can stand alone without a minister, they need to be converted anew and baptized anew. They need to be born again. I can remember telling ministers, you want to get your baptisms up? Said so they need to be baptized anew. <laughs> That's a good way to get more baptisms in your church. These are strong words from the prophet. She doesn't hold back anything. She does what a prophet is supposed to do. And it, what are prophets supposed to do? They're supposed to get on to us, right? Well, I got my licking. Okay. Now, here is one that, that when I read this, I thought, oh my goodness. This is from Australasian Union Conference Recorder, August 1, 1902, paragraph 7. Listen very carefully or you'll miss it. Our ministers are not to hover over the churches <clears throat> regarding the churches in some particular place as their special care. Did you catch that? Not to regard the churches in some particular area as their special care. That means no districts as we know them. Did the Apostle Paul... Uh, what did he do? He'd start a church, and then what would he do? He'd turn it over to who to take care of it? The, the, the local leaders, the elders. Okay, We'll get to that in a moment, too. And then she writes, says, And our churches should not feel jealous and neglected if they do not receive ministerial labor. They themselves should take up the burden and labor most earnestly for souls. Now, I know that somewhere in this room, as would be in any crowd, you may have gotten upset before when the conference didn't send you a minister right away. Would anyone say, Amen? 
Come on, be honest. How many of you thought that, even thought it in the past? How many of you don't want to raise your hands right now? <laughs> oh my goodness. In Testimony 6, volume thir- uh, page 30, volume 6, page 30, instead of keeping the ministers at work for the churches that already know the truth, let the members of these churches say to these laborers, this is what you're supposed to tell your pastor. She says so. She says this, not me. It's not my words. Go work for souls that are perishing in darkness. We ourselves will carry forward to the services of the church. We will keep up the meetings and by abiding in Christ will maintain spiritual life. We will work for souls about us and we will send our prayers and our gifts to sustain the laborers in more needy and destitute fields. That is the proper Christian spirit. You ever thought, you know, you get one minister and then he preaches to you, another one comes and he preaches to you again. He preaches a little different, but it's the same stuff. You know, if you've been in the church 25 years and you haven't got it by now, you're hopeless. Right? I mean, after a while, you got to get it. And, you know, it's just the way it is. And listen, I am one of you. Okay? I've, I've served different ways. I, I, I've learned to serve, you know, on the payroll. I've learned to serve like Paul. And then for a very short while, I learned to serve when Jesus sent out the 70 with no shoes, no extra clothes, no money, and the, and the target audience was going to take care of them. That happened to my wife and I one time, and the target audience took care of us. Gospel Workers, page 15. Foremost among those called to preach the gospel of Christ stands the Apostle Paul. To every minister, an example of loyalty, devotion, and untiring effort. His experiences and his instruction regarding the sacredness of the minister's work are a source of help and inspiration to those engaged in the gospel ministry. Romans 15, verse 20. Yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand, for which cause also I've been much hindered from coming to you. I just, I'm so sorry I haven't been able to come by and see you lately, but I've been too busy preaching to people who never heard of Jesus. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom, whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How are they going to hear? How? And how shall they preach unless they be sent, not retained, sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they've not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Galatians 3. And this scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed, all unreached areas shall be blessed, all areas where there's no Adventist churches, even in the, even in the, the nation, or even parts of states, shall be blessed. We've learned about this in Sabbath school lately. 
We're talking basic covenant responsibilities. And the way all the nations are blessed through Abraham is now through us. We're descendants of Abraham. Okay? Now, here's God's plan. In Acts, the 20th chapter, verses 17 and 28. In verse 17, Paul is coming and he's going back to Jerusalem to meet with the the saints. And we come to verse 17. Now read it with me if you have your Bible. And from Miletus, he stops in Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So now where was he? It was in Miletus. And who did he call from Ephesus? The elders of the church. Remember that. Now go to verse 28. Now I'm reading from the King James. Please forgive me. On my book, I stay with the King James because that's probably the most common uh, version that was used in the days of Ellen White. And so, you know, and it's kind of universally acceptable, although some people struggle with it. But here he says in verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. He's talking to the elders now, correct? Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, the churches, okay, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the flock of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now, the Holy Spirit has designated who to be the overseers over the flock? Who? The elders. The Holy Spirit Himself has stated and has given the job of oversight over the flock of God to the elders. Now, is it wise for us to try to do something a little different than what the Holy Spirit tells us? If you disobey the Holy Spirit, Scripture has some strong warnings, does it not? Now, We've got to find out what that word overseers means now. Okay? Well, Scripture to Scripture and so forth. Here we go. 1 Peter 5 and verse 2 gives us the same, same basic idea. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, And so we're talking about the elders being the overseers over the churches. Now, some people say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ephesians 4, we're supposed to have pastors in the churches. Well, let's read Ephesians 4. And he gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints under the work of ministering under the building of the body of Christ. That word pastor there in in Ephesians is the only place in the New Testament where you find that word. It's not found anywhere else. And the word in Greek is poimenas. Poimenas. That's That's a fancy Greek word which means a herdsman, especially a shepherd. It also means the overseers over Christian assemblies. So the elders... It's the same thing as pastors in Ephesians. Are you beginning to put two and two together? 
How many of you are an elder and you don't want to hear this? <laughs> I don't fight against the Holy Spirit here. Okay. Reviewing Harold. Forgive me, I'm going to tell you straight whether you like it or not. You didn't come to camp meeting just to sing songs and, and not learn anything new. Okay? Reviewing Harold, June 25, verse 1895, paragraph 6. If our people would minister to others who need their help, they themselves would be ministered unto by the chief shepherd, and thousands would be rejoicing in the fold who are now wandering in the desert. Would you rather let Jesus be your shepherd or you want to do your own thing? Quit worrying about who's going to take care of you and you take, a, take to looking after somebody else. See you, who you can help. When you get up in the morning, you need to pray. You say, Lord, let it, make some divine appointments for me today. Let it be that by the end of this day, at least one or more persons and or one or more entities, could be the city government, whatever, is somehow better off, somehow more headed for heaven, somehow healthier, somehow whatever, because I'm on this planet, let no day be, be wasted. Do you think God will not answer a prayer like that? I started praying that way years ago, and every single day by the end of the day, I could see where God had, had, had changed my course, told me to turn a different direction. And I wonder why. And I would get there just as somebody was coming out of the door at Walmart or whatever and, they, and I needed to talk to them. You will find that God will answer prayer like that because you're asking to be used by God to help other people. You think he's going to say, no, I don't think so. No. Yes, ma'am. You want divine appointments. And by the end of the day, you want it to be so that at least one or more persons and or one or more entities are somehow better off, more in harmony with his will, healthier, I don't know, whatever, warned at least, because you're on the planet today and you're alive. Let no day be wasted. God will take care of that prayer for you. I know for a fact he will. I've experienced it. Now, Satan's plan to <clears throat> delay Christ's coming in uh, Danville, Pennsylvania, um, Excuse me, Shemokin, Pennsylvania. It's a little, a little coal region town. The houses all have coal dust on them. Mostly Polish and Italian. Uh, interesting people. But we were planting a church in that town. It was an unentered church. And the fellow who had been uh, <clears throat> my head deacon uh, when I was still on the payroll with the conference, uh, he was, he was, we, there were five of us, seven of us planting, and two weren't baptized yet. My wife and myself, and uh, three others, and two non-baptized members. That was our core group, okay? And I was asking Frank, he had a business, he had a cabinet shop in town, he and his brother, and he had grown up as a Catholic altar boy. I says, Frank, I said, uh, you know, how did we ever end up this way? In this, in this, you know, where did we ever get the idea that pastors are supposed to just take care of the people who already are, are Christian? He said... Somehow I think it must be something Catholic. <clears throat> so, I had a CD-ROM. You remember the CD-ROMs? They had a Catholic encyclopedia on it. So I looked up the word pastor. Oh, you don't, know, you don't want to know what I found. Okay? In the days of Martin Luther, 
you know, the Catholics became a little bit worried because they were losing a lot of their members. Okay? Now, all right, here we go. You asked for it, you got. You came to camp meeting, all right? Pastor, this is a definition, okay? The term pastor denotes a priest who has the cure of souls, cura animarium, that is, who is bound by virtue of his faith, of his office, to, to promote the spiritual welfare of the faithful by preaching. Okay? He's supposed to promote the spiritual welfare of the faithful by preaching. If they're so faithful, why do they have to have their spiritual welfare promoted? Now, number two, the Council of Trent, session 24, that was one of the last councils of Trent, okay, shows it to me to be the mind of the church that dioceses should be, whenever possible, be divided into canonical parishes. Well, a diocese is like a conference, and a canonical parish is like a, is like a church district. Okay? And then, <clears throat> and then it says, pastors, besides having rights, also have obligations. They must preach and take care of the religious instruction of the faithful. There's nothing there in their evangelistic. There's nothing in there, a warning about the return of Christ. There's nothing in there, the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and then the end shall come. It's all about keeping the frozen chosen in the pews. Okay? Review and Herald, June 11, 1895, paragraph 4. The cities in America, in this country and in other countries, she was in Australia here too, I think, in 1895, I, I may be wrong on that, are not worked as they should be, and yet we're admonished to be laborers with God. Instead of this, many churches collectively and individually have been so far removed from God, so separated from His Spirit, that they have left souls to perish all around them while they have been calling for laborers to workers to labor in the church. That hurts. This labor has been granted them, and the impenitent and the sinner have been robbed of the messages which the Lord would have given to them. Mm. Incidentally, I've got handouts for all of you. It's 15 pages of the hottest quotes you've ever read in your life. I assembled this many years ago, and I weeded out the redundant ones because sometimes they're repeated, and then I read it all in one setting, and I was never able to think of the church in the same way again, ever, of ministry. It changed my life completely. They're yours for the, when we leave. Now, the distance to the moon is a little under 240,000 miles. We're coming to a close now, okay? And if you were in a, a capsule going 1,000 miles an hour, it'd take about 10 days to reach the moon. Okay. Now the number of people living on earth is about seven and a quarter billion. If you were to stand those people three feet apart in a line, it would be a line of people about twice as, almost twice as far as, well, 411,000 miles versus 238, so it's way farther away than the moon. 
And at a thousand miles an hour, it would take 117 days and 10 hours to pass them all and just wave at them. That's how many people live on this planet. If you stretched them out, it would go way farther than the moon. So, can you see that for us to enlighten the world is an impossible task without God's power? Okay? We've tried everything over and over and over. Every year I come out with a new plan. We're going to do this plan. And it's just a variation of what's happened the year before, the year before, the year before. Just variations on a theme, to use a musical term. Well, again, the distance to the moon is about you know, a quarter million miles. About a quarter million miles. It takes about 10 days, a thousand miles an hour to get there. But the number of people dying on the earth annually is about 182 million. If you laid them down three feet apart in a line, the line would be 103,000 miles long. And at 1,000 miles an hour, it would take four days and eight hours to pass by to pay your respects. Okay? Now, this is sobering. In uh, 2019, you can get this off the Adventist archives. You can look at what they call the annual statistical report. It's the 2021, but it looks at 2019 statistics. In 2019, the Adventist ministers, licensed ministers and ordained ministers combined, Okay, they were on the payroll. There was 28,955. If you spread them three feet apart, the line of Adventist ministers would be 16 and a half miles long. And yet, just to keep up with the dead, it takes how many days at 1,000 miles an hour? About 10 days or something, whatever it was. I don't remember the number now. At 1,000 miles an hour. I could get on a bicycle and ride past the the ministers in an hour or hour and a half. Can you see that we need to use all of our resources, which includes you and me and our pastors, in the very best way which God has ordained, that He has spelled out, that He has listed, notated in the Scriptures, who's to do what and why? Because God knows best. And if we want to have the blessings of the Holy Spirit, we need to simply just be quiet and obey God. Give our hearts to Him fully and completely, trusting Him for the forgiveness of our sins, righteousness by faith, so that we can have joy in the Holy Spirit, knowing that that we, we, we bear that sin no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. But we're going to have to change some things. Both ministers and lay people, we've all got to change. And we've got to read the Scriptures to know the best methods, which are God's methods. His methods are the only methods He's going to give us His blessing. Why should He bless disobedience and finish the Word rapidly? If we're not willing to obey, we don't have the heart of Christ. Because Christ obeyed. And He wants to give us a chance to
Because guess what? If you and I are not willing to obey Christ, are we ready to face the end? Not last I checked. Not last I checked. Friends, Jesus wants to save you and me. He wants to save us all. The Bible says, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That is a command from Christ for you and me to pray to the Lord to send forth laborers into the harvest. It means they have to be sent away from you. But do you have your work to do close by? Yes. It is incumbent upon you to win souls around you, close to you. But those who get a paycheck, they can go anywhere because they're still being paid. They can go where you can't go. It takes both. It takes a balanced approach. And we have become imbalanced. I mean, look, it's been, you know, between 150 and 200 years and we're still stuck on this planet, but it could have happened, it could, it could have happened when the angel was beginning to sound the seventh trumpet. The work could have been finished and we, you and I never would have been born. You and I never would have been born. So, the harvest is past. The summer has ended and we are not saved. This is the cry of the lost. But I want you to look at Isaiah 6 and verse 8. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. You know, when I was a child, they had something called the Dark County Program. I grew up in Florida as a little boy. This is back in the 60s, I guess. I heard of this. The idea was if a county didn't have a church, it was a dark county. And they were appealing to Adventist families to go move to that dark county and bring light. To move to that dark county and bring light. So there is something. Not only must the Adventist ministers go into the dark areas, but those who have the ability to move from where you are and move, maybe you should consider it. Do we really need Adventist Meccas? We don't. We need Adventists who are willing to go establish a presence one way or the other by God's help. Do you believe that God will give you abilities to reach the lost that you do not have now because He'll bless you with talents you don't have now because you're willing to be used by Him at His command? Do you believe that? Of course you do. You're a Seventh-day Adventist. And Isaiah 6 and verse 8, And also, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who for, will go for us? Then I said, here am I. Send me. How many of you like, like me would say, Lord, here am I. Send me. He may, he may only send you around the block, but that's okay. You'll probably meet neighbors that live a block away that you've never met. Why are you on the street where you live? Just to have a nice house? No, he has a work for you to do on your own block, so he may send you next door. <laughs> or he may send you to a dark county. And for those who may be in the ministry, I don't know if we have any ministers here or not today. I don't know all the, all the brethren in this conference. 
Wonderful men, though. I, I've been impressed with what I've seen here. He may ask us to change our methods. So friend, would you stand and we can pray together that the Lord will use us to His honor and glory. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your love to us. Thank you for your gift to us of salvation, which we access through faith. Salvation by grace through faith. Thank you that we can realize that we're free and we bear it no more. It is You took it upon Yourself. But Lord, there is a world out there that does not have that. They do not have that. They do not know that Jesus is coming soon. They do not know that their case may even be judged right now as we speak. Because when You come in the clouds of glory, the decisions have already been made. They're made while we're living. People are living out there and they could be losing it forever right now and we have not reached them yet. Lord, send me. Send us. Send our pastors. May we use the plans which you have ordained, which you have given in the Bible, which you have given through the prophet of Ellen White. Those principles which we have forgotten, which we have disobeyed, which we have erred. But Lord, you are now calling us to repentance. You are now calling us to go forward. You are now calling us to be the people you want us to be. And Lord, may we learn what it is to pray. May we learn what it is to have that discussion with you every morning early. Get up early and spend time with you before the day begins. May we learn to pray and ask you to make appointments for us, divine appointments, things which cannot be explained, but you, you prepare the way with people so that we can give them just the right words in season. May it be by the end of every day that at least one or more persons and or one or more entities, might be the city government, might be anything, but that it's more stable, more holy, more heavenward bound, or more, war more warned. Maybe they won't, maybe they'll be lost, but they will have been warned, and that's our job is to warn. Or that they will be healthier, or that they will become missionaries for you in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, healthier or something. All of this we ask that you do for us, that you use us this way because we're on this earth. We're on this earth today. We need to work today and today and today. Let no day be wasted. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.